So you mentioned um, within your community growing up, there were some families who had also adopted other children. Did you ever talk to them a lot about being adopted? Was there kind of like um, connection from that shared trait or was it just kind of something you knew and that was it? You would think I would have talked with them more. I, I think that being adopted, there's just so much... I feel as though one thing that I've learned from uh, my experience with other adoptees is that, especially as we were younger, kind of growing up as teenagers and just trying to figure ourselves out, I just feel like there was just so much that we were going on, that was going on with us internally that I felt even asking them or other adoptees about how they were feeling was just so like, out of left field kind of because if you're just bogged down with all these like, who am I? I I can't relate you don't understand all this like anger sadness you know like the last thing that you would think is so oh let me ask this other adoptee how do you deal with this how do you what's you know what's your you know like as much as you would want you would think it'd be well why don't you just confide with them maybe they have some ex different life experiences that you maybe never thought of in that way and maybe they you know better, more progressive, productive way than and you're doing it right now. And so I feel like I didn't even really ask. And maybe, maybe it was because my mom was always wanting me to ask that I just said, you know, I'm not going to ask, you know, you know, if there are other adopted, maybe, maybe, maybe you can relate to them. Maybe you can talk to them like, <laughs> uh, but I should have, you know, I'm sure that, you know, it would have, I feel like maybe if we were able to talk to each other, it would have been, uh, Create, we would have been able to create potentially like stronger bonds and grow and connect more tightly than I think me and the other adoptees growing up were able to connect. Um, yeah. I think we felt secluded ourselves in our our, our own feelings um, and kind of put uh, a facade on, you know, of whatever we wanted to project. You know, like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? okay you know that that'll hold you know ordeal uh but but i would have you know looking back i guess i would have definitely loved to have had more meaningful conversations about being adopted with other adoptees yeah i wouldn't be too on yourself it seems a pretty common theme that when you're a kid you're just focused on the here and now and your own little bubble and in signs that you become older where you start realizing oh i could have done this it sounds very normal behavior. Yeah, it's it's funny though because I, I was I met Megan when I was very young, like around twelve years old, and you would think that we would talk about our adoption, but we never really talked about our adoption per se. It was just more about our lives and less about how it kind of related to adoption, which is pretty interesting. As close as we were, it was. So I guess. Yeah, that, that question eludes me too. I'm so why, why didn't I ask her about that? I was just too busy asking. I don't know, life, life. Well, life. do you think it was a lack of vocabulary? You didn't know how to start talking about it? Was there a desire to, and, or was it just not something you thought about? I think it was just because I, looking back, I don't 
think that I even related any of my life's issues to necessarily being adopted as weird as that felt. Although I was dealing with me not feeling like I like, love my mom or me not feeling like my mom understood me and not realizing that it might have just been a legitimate way that nature versus nurture maybe my nature was just completely different than her nature because we were from different family trees from different parts of the world and our just minds worked completely differently but I guess I didn't even think about that I was just kind of like just why don't you understand me <laughs> but whether or not like related to adoption I think it was just like I don't know I, I never really connected those those dots as as blaringly obvious as that you know you mentioned that you had some insecurities it sounds like, about how you looked in comparison to your mom and a whole not quite understanding you can you tell me a little bit more about that like, was that at a, at a certain age in your life any anything about that yeah I don't know how I know that how the world views me and Megan as Peruvians in New York City is vastly different. For example, if she's in my mom's building, sometimes somebody would assume her affluent. I'm sorry? If if my mom, if if Megan was in my my mom's building, Mm -hmm. uh, she's kind of walking my mom's dog, just visiting my mom. Somebody might potentially consider her a dog walker, or if she's doing laundry, they might consider her a cleaning lady. Yeah. Um, opposed to me, if I walk into, well, I guess I can't work because I got grown up with my moms, but if I were to walk into a building to go to a doctor's office, a residential building, because I have a dentist that does, that, that's in a residential building, uh, somebody might assume, and they have in the past, assume me a delivery person. Mm. Or so there's these like preconceived notions of how we look in New York City. So when it relates to me growing up, I've had, a, since she grew up in the suburbs and didn't have to deal with that, I've had to deal with that a lot longer in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of being assumed uh, being like a waiter or a busboy or being a delivery person. And it, it to me, I guess it, it, it created a lot of like, animosity towards my mom and towards the people that I come from because I don't understand why my mom didn't understand why I didn't understand that my mom couldn't pick up on these subtle cues that I could pick up on. And I also didn't, I also grew a lot of resentment towards other Hispanics, Peruvians that look like me because of how they assumed that I, who I was without even kind of knowing me. Yeah. And it you know, that's something that I experienced towards my teenage years and, you know, till, till current times. Um, so it's definitely something that hits me and Megan differently from living here in, in, in New York City. A lot of preconceived uh, labels uh, that I feel people assume just based on how me looks uh, it just it makes makes me sad i don't like feeling bad it, it gives me unproductive feelings resentment anger um, which makes me feel 
the same way in a way like you know what makes me want to feel like I want to assume that they think that I think you know that that you know it's just it's just a it's just a not progressive way of thinking yeah <laughs> that's something that I just guess I had to grow up with feeling insecure about yeah yeah we hollered um when you were a teenager how did you kind of handle all those feelings and all those thoughts I had a lot of rage inside a lot of anger Uh, I didn't know how to express it properly Um, when I was a teenager I uh, Found some fights. Uh, my mom was very concerned about me. I wasn't doing well in school. I kind of was recluding to myself. Um, wasn't really believing in myself. Uh, I developed a eating problem. I would always eat to, to, to make me feel better. So I gained a lot of weight. Uh, I and it got really really bad and my mom was very concerned that I was not passing ninth grade at the time and my I actually got into real I, I think the final straw was uh, in uh in there was one night I um I was with a group of friends and we went up to his apartment complex in in uh it was kind of a project building and uh, we were just like drinking and we were just chilling and somebody had noticed us from the rooftop and called the police on us. And I remember the police opening all the doors and, you know, flashlights and just like pretty much like telling us that, like, you know, what are we doing here that we're breaking the law and that we're going to be arrested. So I ended up getting arrested and I ended up going down to the precinct and it was Friday. And I ended up staying there all the way until Monday in the holding cells in um, in Chinatown, Canal, in Canal Street. Um, there's a huge, like, there's a courthouse down there. And, and so I just, it was, that was really, I, it was an, it was an eye-opening experience for my mom, um, for, sorry, for me, but it was an even more of an eye-opening experience for my mom. And she, I didn't know this, like she was talking to a lot of friends. A lot of her friends were really worried about me and my school was really worried about me. And she ended up, um, sending me to a, like an outward bound wilderness camp for that summer. And she didn't tell me this, which is very unusual because I grew up kind of feeling like I was in control of the family. You know, I was a not snobby kid. You know, I, you know, I was a, like, if I didn't get my way, I would cry. I would, you know, I was, you know, spoiled brat, legitimately. And I just remember that one, I remember one, day i would always love my friends to sleep over and we'd all like, stay up all night video games and like just be boys and i remember one night i was like all right where are my friends staying over and and she's no they're not and i'm like yeah they are i don't know why i'd be like that they're gonna stay over okay and just she's like oh they're not Sam. but nine o'clock okay good because you you know she doesn't actually get that but this time like, there was something different i felt something in her that was just like no and what ended up happening was, I was, all right, fine, I'll win, you know, kind of, all right, you know. And I woke up, and I remember sleep, going to sleep that night and waking up at three o'clock in the morning with these, I would, because there's no men that live in the house. It's just me and my mom. 
I woke up to a knock on my door and it was like three in the morning and it was like grown ass dude saying, you know, you know, Sam, we're, I'm, I'm coming in. Will you let me in? I'm like, oh, dude. Like, what the hell's going on? Oh, go away. Like, I just remember saying like, oh, what the, uh, what the fuck? Like, what, who, what, who are you? Like, and then like, and, and I was like, oh, like, I'm not going to open my door. And like, Sam, if you don't open your door, we're going to come in. And I don't want, we don't want to do this. So can you please get dressed and come out? And I'm like, whatever. Uh, all right. Whatever, I come outside and there's these two, like six, two dudes waiting for me. And they're like, come on, we're going. Like, where are we going? Like, Don't worry about it. We're going. And I'm like, that's so strange. And they ended up handcuffing me and putting me into a taxi cab. And well, not a taxi cab, but a cab that they were, one of them was in the backseat with me and they were driving. And then we drove to the airport and then we got on a plane and then we, we, got, we went all the way to North Carolina. I got, they took me in, in, out of the plane, into a car, and drove me into the Adirondack Mountains in North Carolina. And next thing you know, in this camp's board intake facility, and they're telling me, take, give me all your, your cell phone, your, 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 your MP3, um, your wallet, uh, keys, and, and take off all your clothes, and put on these blue jumpers and shirts. And that was the, the first day of a whole wild summer of like, can't even describe it. Inner understanding, in rebirth, a, a re-energizing of my mind. When I was there, I, I met these 12 other kids in the same predicament as me all from different backgrounds and, and a letter that literally was read from the counselors in front of everybody it's random 12 dudes i had no idea who they were they're reading it. how i say like this is your mom like i just want to like, know that i love you so much you're here because like you know you know why you're here you're not doing well you know but i believe in you i want you to get better and you're gonna come back and everything's gonna be great but for now you're gonna have to stay here and you're gonna have to follow the process of the program <laughs> that was it sorry i went on a little bit of a tangent but like with this that's, story but that's fine that huge huge uh turning point in my life if not the biggest turning point in my life. was that letter the first time you kind of talked to your mom after you entered the camp or was your mom there when the two guys came into your room or basically dragged you out of your room yeah, uh, they had told my mom to kind of take a walk around the block because they felt as though if she was there, she would crack and she wouldn't allow them to take me. Uh, so she wasn't even in the apartment when that happened. So I didn't see her or hear from her until that letter. Yeah, I guess that, that morning. Um, so... Yeah, I mean that was I was that was a complete whirlwind of uh, just a hundred and eighty degree change of where I, what I was used to. Wow. It felt like a, felt like a jail, man. <laughs> like literally, I got my week's worth of food. I could not if I finished all that food, that was it. I can't. I'd have to wait until the next resupply. Uh, it was we would go on we would go on uh, camp. We would go on hikes every day. And then we would sleep outside and then do it again every day. We'd walk in a straight line. And I just remember, it was like probably jail, you know? It's like talking about life outside of this place, you know? Man, when I get back, I'm going to have this. I'm going to have the biggest Big Mac ever, you know? F this food, man. And we're talking and reminiscing about our times in our perspective lives of what we used to do. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it really, that was really a life-changing event for me. Definitely talking, being more open with my feelings. It, 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 there was a specific moment too, which I guess I'll be brief real quick, but like um, in the middle of the, in the, in the middle of the, my experience, I was very resistant. I didn't want to follow this. I just wanted to go home. I was really upset at my mom. I was like, just like, like curse mom. I can't believe she did this to me. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. It fucking sucks. And I just remember one day it was raining and it was horrible, miserable. I was completely soaked from inside out. It was just like, disgusting. And I ended up just breaking and I just told them that I needed to use the bathroom. And I just like, I just ran. I just took off into the fucking wilderness and just ran. And I was, I, I, I was gone a whole day in, in the, in the, in the wilderness. And uh, they were looking for me and, they, and I just had, a moment in, in, in my life that I've never had since and I never had prior where I genuinely thought that I was going to die out there because there's poisonous snakes and I had no idea how to get home. I was completely lost and I was so tired and hungry and I just literally accepted that. It was it was some some wild ass experience and I just I just remember pleading to God and just telling him that if if he gives me another chance at life, um, that I promise, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck it up. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything my mom wants. I'm gonna get with the program. I'm gonna snap out of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change, you know. But, but if he, you know, if he wants me to die, if this is my last ride, then you know, I just wanted to, you know, tell, tell him that I'm grateful, grateful for the life that I lived and everything. Literally, the next thing I did was I just like, picked a spot in the road and I just like, walked and I ended up walking right back into the camp. And from then on out, I was just like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to get out of here? 100%. I bought in 100%. Uh, let me know. You want me to talk about my, like, you want me to talk about my feelings? You want me to talk about, like, obsess me? You want, yeah, this is everything. You need me to build traps to, to, to do, to, to excel in the program, to, you know, you know, I'll do it. I'll do anything. And then next thing you know, I, I ended up coming back home and, um, which was an anomaly. Every kid that went there ended up going to boarding school after. And the fact that I was able to go home after just showed that, I guess, how 180 of a trip that I made and I ended up coming back and ended up hundred percent embracing school. I ended up completely doing so good in, in 11th grade, doing my ACT, SATs. Didn't do great, but I didn't do bad either. I got in pretty good positions, even better in my 12th grade year. And, you know, I went to college and cut my weight down, got into a lot of fitness. So it was really, you know, that was a game changer in my life. But, but yeah, that's, that's, maybe that's why I just, to bring it back to perspective of adoption, like that's kind of why I have such like, high regards from my mom, high regards from my family for how they raised her, for how they brought her up, for not giving up on me, for, you know, giving that courage of never giving up on myself. So it was definitely positives with adoption. <laughs> hey, thank you for sharing. I imagine that could have been kind of difficult to share. And I really appreciate that. It, I, <laughs> I want to keep listening to all of that. Maybe next time. Next time, I would love to hear more about this. Yeah, for sure. I'm. I'm, I'm always happy to happy to share. Awesome. Okay. Thank. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's very interesting. Um, to go back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am generally serious, I was. I was just happily listening. 
it, I, I love hearing other people's stories. It's why I do this. Yeah. So when you were growing up, did your adoptive family members talk to you, if at all, about how other people may perceive or respond to you being a different race than the rest of your family? You talked about how people assumed you were kind of the help when you're in a place you didn't know. Um, did you ever try, did your family ever try talking to you about how to respond to that or why that was happening? No, no, I think it was more my mom would say like, oh my God, really? I, I, that's so, that's not, that's not okay. God, I'm so sorry, Sam. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know. Kind of that, you know, and I'm just felt like, I felt it was pure and genuine, but I felt like there was like a level of just like understanding that, but, but like I asked myself too, what would they, what would I have wanted them to do? <laughs> you know, per se. Uh, it's not something that they even would know. I mean, it's just, it's just such a strange, which left me in a predicament of just feeling hopeless, I guess, in terms of I understood that they would never understand because they were never me. They don't wear my skin. They don't know what it's like, um, but that it just is. And knowing that my mom, it was even worse that my mom felt horribly bad. It would have been one thing if my mom was like, what are you talking about? That's not even the case. But the fact that she was like so concerned and so remorseful and empathetic, it just, I was, I don't know what to do now. He gave me everything that I need. I, love I still feel like, I don't know, I just feel still angry. I don't, you know, it's, it's a very helpless anxiety feeling that just kind of went all these different ways, sad, you know, angry. Yeah. Which, you know, definitely gave me some animosity towards people who gave me that. But it was weird. It wasn't necessarily towards, like, because people, it was more like if I felt like my own race was being more racist towards me than which is oddly interesting. Yeah. And an interesting perspective that I feel nowadays. It's, uh, I feel like even white people, they just, it's not, they just, if they say something, it's not really, it's out of naiveness of just like completely just being off. I would get it nine out of 10 times, maybe somebody would assume something about me if it was they were a Caucasian person, they, I would get this response like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, like you know, that very genuine. And, and with the others, it's like, what's your delivery? Uh, not working with seamless. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, like from somebody else who's, who looks at me, I'm like, you know, like, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, it's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, um, yeah. Yeah, that's something that's worth a lot more exploration of how you can have kind of have discrimination against people who look exactly like you, even more so than other races. And it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing, you know, especially like to just definitely. And I know that Megan talks about her, her birth family and how they view skin color, like the lighter your skin, the more, you know. Um, more, I guess, more are looked up to, you know, the more you're yeah. valued, dark your skin. Yeah. And what emphasis, if any, have you or your adopted family placed on your racial ethnic identity? Were there times where you felt like you needed to explore your identity more and less? Was that a topic that even came up? Um, yeah. My family wanted me to explore my identity. 
Yeah, you were mentioning your mom kind of encouraging you to talk to other adoptees. Did she also try to get you into Peruvian culture when you were younger? Yeah, well, when I was 12, she took me back to Peru with a whole bunch of adoptee, Peruvian adoptees, which is where I met Megan, to kind of see what the culture that I was born from was about. But I never really, in, although it was really nice knowing, I can't even say that, because <laughs> I met Megan, she was a big part of my life. <laughs> so I can't really say that. It wasn't a, a big turning point in my life, but in terms of like my overall identity about how I felt, I felt was more learned through the day-to-day -day experiences of like me just mingling through life in New York City and, and meeting other people who looked like me or Dominicans or like Puerto Ricans or, you know, other ethnicities and mm -hmm. kind of figuring out where I stood in, in all that. I think that I was, my particular case, I was less interested in my identity, honestly, and more interested in like, I was, I was, and still am a huge music buff, a huge musician. And so a lot of my life I was was it was music based so i was exploring my musical identity more how i felt about music what kind of music i wanted to make what music i was relating to for such a long period of my life so i felt maybe more that was my social identity exploring when it came to that and less more of ironically how i looked yeah cool um, I know we're getting close to our time. I don't, I want to be respectful of your time. So I have um, about two more questions left for you. Um, one is looking back on your experiences growing up as a transracial adoptee, what would you want a prospective family to know before they adopted a child of another race? Can you think of anything you would want them to intentionally do before they adopted a child? I would want to tell them that if they were going to adopt a child from South America, more specifically a boy, to know that it's gonna be potentially a handful. How so? Boys are, I don't know, for me, I was very, I, although I had, although I was a very nice, I was, I was very open, outgoing, you know, I, I would, there was times in my life where I was, I was, a, I was a handful, I, you know, there's a lot of rage in me, again, to a lot of fights. So just knowing that if you were to adopt a boy as a, as a group of parents from, a, from, you know, South America, just know that, you know, there is, you know, so much potential, so much amazing times, but there will be times, especially with boys. I feel that they will struggle, especially in their teenage years, with who they are and, and where they fit into this world and to have a lot of patience and, and nurture them, be there for them and not give up on them, even if they want you to, just to, to muscle through it because, you know, they love you and they, there's going to be a time where they're going to thank you and, and they're going to be very, you know, appreciative, hopefully, you know, God willing. <laughs> Of, of all the time and love and effort that you put into that. Okay. 
Can you elaborate more on why specifically South American boys? Um, a lot of other adoptees can come from Asia, Africa, but you're specific about South America? Oh, I, because just, I, I don't, I, I feel maybe I don't have the experience of knowing how other ethnicities from other boys from other adoptees parts of the world might develop in America. But I, I know that like, through my experiences and through experiences of other men who weren't adopted but who are from South America have, knowing that, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of feelings, a lot of a lot of potent feeling that needs to be expressed and, and roller coasters and, and just a lot a lot there. So I feel I can confidently say, you know, there's there's people who come from that area of South America that that um just specifically boys to 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 know that we're maybe a handful, but you know, that that we're uh, we're 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 worth it. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I that's what I would uh, say, because, you know, I don't know if my mom really knew what she was getting herself into with me, but I might have just been a one-off. I don't know. Maybe uh, it, it's different. It's, yeah. yeah, thank you for clarifying. Okay. And last question, because I know I do want to make sure I let you out on time. So you're actually the first parent, I believe, uh, adoptee that I know of, and I'm kind of curious... Um, with you raising Maya, has that kind of changed your own opinion about adoption and your experiences? How has that shaped your your perspective now? It shapes it a lot. Um, I know. Well, I'll just I'll just use one example in particular that re re pertains to what I was talking about about adoptee boys and how we could be a struggle or a handful. Maybe it doesn't even relate to boys or men or female or male, but I know that my my daughter grew up in split households. We, you know, she had her mom and dad were together for maybe two years of her life, and then we weren't together. That was very hard on her. There was different parenting styles, just different lives, different. Parent atmosphere, parenting, parent atmospheres, family atmospheres, dynamics that were going on. And there was a lot of, a lot of turmoil in her, and there were some times in in her life where she was so angry, and she would get into these fits of just complete rage and just crying, and just nothing could calm her down. She could not be soothed, and it just reminded me of myself when I was a kid, just. I just would not stop crying. I just nothing. I don't know. I was just so angry, and it was just I would just throw things. I would I would um, just hit the wall, and she was very similar to that. And I could see that in her. I remember she would want to hit me, and she would punch me, you know, a few times. But you know, I felt as though in some primitive parenting. Papa Bear instinct where that's like, I just, I felt like I kind of just let her, you know, just let her express herself to me and, and not punish her for her outbursts, her physical outbursts, because I just understood that she needed to get that out. And the last thing that she needed was 
somebody to scold her for what she already knew she was doing was wrong, but she needed to just express that in a, in a, a way. And I just, I remember Megan was there too at the time and she was just so, like, she couldn't even handle it. Because she was like, I can't even see her, you know, acting out with you because like, that's just so wrong. But in my mind, I just felt like it just, she needs this. She need, I don't know how to explain it, but she just needs that kind of like outburst of, you know, I know that she knows that like all, she, like no matter what she would do to me, I would just, just show her this love. Just like, I under, you know, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm not giving up on you. Just give me a little, little, little teary eyed, but, um, but I felt that and I know she felt that. So yeah, it was kind of just this connection that I felt like I might have with my mom, but I have with her. So it was like a full circle. I know you get me and I get you and we're gonna get through this. So. So yeah, I mean, I know, I know there's just, she's going to, she's going to be a teenager one day and there's going to be so much more that I'm going to have to go through, but, um, but I think because of how far I've come and just how much I know is, is in her and, and all these feelings, all these, you know, frustrations, I just, you know, it'll, we'll see, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see uh, what happens, but I, I just know that, um, that's something that as an adoptee, I, I feel I, I understood with her as somebody who, who felt she might've not been understood in the sense of, which I can't even relate to of having two parents split up, you know, growing up, um, but at least me one day made her bond that idea of just nobody understanding that idea of, of us. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like it really helped your sense of empathy, would you say? Yeah. Patience of just seeing through these these face valued emotions and in, in, in this anger and knowing that it's just fear and it's and it's sadness beneath it all. And just knowing that I have to keep my composure to show her subconsciously that I'm there. I'm not like giving up on you. But I felt as though she she felt that. And I wonder if one day when she like, is my age, she'll let me know. And I'll, I'll lose it. <laughs> I knew it, you know? But um, we'll see. I think we need more dads like you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm trying, trying out. You're not trying, you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about that you thought I'd ask but didn't? Anything you kind of wanted to share? Um, not, okay. not a moment, but um, definitely if there's anything that I think of, I'll uh, definitely let, let you know. Thanks. Yeah, um, let me know if there's anything these questions brought up for you like that made you think about something but otherwise this was like I said I love hearing other people's stories and experiences and it's kind of the reason why I'm choosing this line of work so thank you for sharing your time with me and your stories I really appreciate that yeah, no, yeah thank you so much for doing what you're doing
So I really, uh, really appreciate, you know, you uh, wanting to gather stories from other adoptees because I know that future adoptees will look back on this data and stuff, you know, I think that they will and, and take from it and improve on it and get more awareness and, and understanding of where we come from in our stories. It's really important. Beautifully worded. <laughs> I think I'll make sure I have everything in my head memorized. I am going to send you a copy of a demographic questionnaire. If you and Meg could just fill that out and send to me, it's just really basic. Here you were born, what country were you from, that sort of thing. Just so I had, it's just um, an easy way of keeping track of everything. Um, feel free to email that to me anytime. It's not that long. Um, and as always, if you have any questions or anything you want to talk about, let me know. I know Meg always asks, you guys are welcome to completely use this video. If you are also filming, awesome. Feel free to use whatever you'd like. I can share with you the photo. If you would like, just let me know. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, definitely uh, use, use videos, audios for, for this. I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. I will um, share, the, share that with you as soon as everything's processed. Like there was one other thing. Okay, one last thing. Um, I promised that I will send all participants a easy to read summary of my results once I get them. That will take probably take a bit just because, you know, research. Um, but I, I, I am remembering that right as of right now, I am not fiscally funded. I'm working on that, and I would love to like retro actively compensate everyone who's giving interviews because your time is valuable and I really appreciate that um so that is in the works I will let you know how that all goes later awesome yeah anytime I'm happy to share thank you okay um, again I'm going to send you that questionnaire for you and, and Meg um, fill it out whenever no rush um, and I'm here if you need anything awesome all right thank you bye again. Sam thank you